I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes. And uh, wow, this this is the first of two episodes that we're going to talk about uh, the Odyssey by some guy named Homer <laughs> that uh, is not a Simpson. We're pretty sure. Oh, fingers crossed, man. Yeah, Homer. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know. Whenever you you hear people talk about you know like scholars and stuff, they they keep saying um, the Odyssey. You know, to say that the Odyssey was written is is not really true. That it was mm-hmm. oral. Mm-hmm. Um, it was said out loud over mm-hmm. three days. Period. <laughs> isn't that great? Uh, isn't that something? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, one of the things I was listening to in prep for this uh, is where I, I learned, I don't know that I'd heard that before, that it was a three-day thing. And uh, I don't know how they know that it that, that's what it did. But Maybe they, they stood there and read it and went, okay. <laughs> but they, they, uh, the, the one that said that actually said that there's a part where um, there's a bard and uh-huh. Odysseus is talking to a bard. They said, okay, this is, yeah. the, end, this is the end of the first day's uh, oh, okay. recitation. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. I'm not sure how they know that, but that's awesome. It's really cool yeah, to know. That's, yeah. It's just like the intermission. Right, right. In an Indian movie. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't want to get everybody like rolling their eyes, but I have to say that partway into this, I went, I cannot be thankful enough to Bollywood for giving me a deeper insight into a different culture and how they think, because that really yeah. helped me get into this thing. Right, right. I mean, and I say this thing in a in a fond way. I have mm-hmm. never loved this book so much. Oh, so, that's great. Um, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We should mention that we're reading the Robert Fagel's translation. Mm-hmm. Um, my copy is a Penguin Classics. I think, I think all of them might be. So I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yep. yep. So um, yeah, it's old. It's uh, <laughs> isn't this like the. I guess I should look that up before I say something, you know, very <laughs> fundamental. But it's like the oldest piece of literature that I know of. The um, Iliad. The, too, yeah, the I Iliad. Guess. The Iliad. Yeah, this is kind of a, a sequel to Odyssey or the yeah, Iliad. Yeah, it's a sequel slash mm-hmm. what I've read. And mm-hmm. again, I didn't look into it deeply. So you guys were were really batting a thousand here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like a sequel, but companion. It's like a right. compare and contrast piece, is what I've heard. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know really have to read the Iliad someday. Mm-hmm. I've gotten partway through it, but yeah. I need to keep that in mind and go back. And I know Fagels has done a Iliad yeah, translation. companion so. volume as well. Oh, do you? Have you yeah. read the Iliad? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I had a really oh, great... yeah. Well, I, I had a really great <laughs> Greek mythology course in college. And I, I know oh. I've mentioned it in this podcast before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was written, uh, scholars believe, in the 8th century BC, mm-hmm. somewhere in Ionia, at about noon. <laughs> no, but somewhere in Ionia is what uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry. So, uh, but 8th century BC, that's a, that's a long time ago. So the, the, the Old Testament, you know, uh, the, the Hebrew Bible was written, it says at different times at about 1200 to 165 BC. 
So uh. 1200 is the oldest one. So that's, that's older than this. Um, so the yeah. Old Testament is older than this. Uh, yeah. Parts of it anyway. But also yeah. would have come a lot from the old, old pieces like this from oral tradition. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and the difference, of course, is, you know, we read Genesis is you'll have a couple ways of looking at things mm -hmm. a lot of the times because they're going, well, these both seem valid. Yeah. These yeah. both give different insights. And in this book, um, you know, that had to happen at some point where whoever wrote this down had to pull together all the different oral variations because you can't have bards all over the place reciting this, which I know is how it was working. And have not their personal touches in it. So for sure. Maybe Homer's yeah. the one who's putting the definitive personal touches. But one of the things I really enjoyed about this was imagining what it was like to be in one of those hmm. villages or wherever they were doing this. Wow. As one of the audience. Well, you, you say that and, and it makes me wonder if if an audio version of this doesn't exist which tries to replicate that. You know, I am a bard mm. and I'm walking in, I'm going to tell you this story mm. as, mm -hmm. as I would have with an audience. Someone ought to do that. Um, I wonder if it's happened. I don't. I'm going to look yeah, The only mm -hmm. audible version I saw was in McKellen, and, mm -hmm. which would be great, except everybody complained about how bad the sound was. Yeah. So I didn't get it. But mm -hmm. what, I, what it also made me think of is when I loved when we get to the part, and I can't really, you know, to be fair, I didn't focus on these kings' names, but when we get to the part where Odysseus is being hosted by the king at the final place before he starts telling his story, Elsinus, okay. I guess is his yeah. name, mm -hmm. and um, they're describing the evening, which is the most magnificent hospitality we've seen yet. Mm -hmm. So, it's therefore, you know, what we should all strive for, I suppose, and um, it's got athletic contests, it has dancing and singing, it has a bard telling an amazing story. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that's part of why it would take three days, because you've got the little village scenario, but I guess I was thinking of the bigger, we're having a festival. Yeah. And in yeah. the middle of the festival, the centerpiece is, here's this bard who's coming in and laying out this story over three days of celebration for us. And again, there could be any scenario that we can imagine because no one knows, but thinking of that and thinking of the way the story is structured, because um, just to give like the fastest summary ever, maybe mm -hmm. we start off and this really cracked me up and we're with the gods, the Greek gods. Yes. <laughs> and Poseidon has gone off to, um, I can't remember where, but they're having a 15 day festival for him. So he's off at some, you know, human <laughs> land, of course, cause he's going to be at his own festival. It's a convention. Yeah. Love but, it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm the guest of honor. I need to be there. They're burning all this sacrifice for me. Delicious. <laughs> so he's gone. And, and that's when Athena goes, Okay, so while he's gone, everybody, can we talk about Odysseus, who he hates, but I would like to rescue? And Zeus is like, well, since he's gone, all right, here's the plan. And I'm just like, this is cracking me up. Oh, man. They're all like, yeah. well, okay, shh. So, <laughs> do this. So, then we see them starting to carry out the plan, and it's all Athena because she is the one who's like Odysseus' sponsor. She loves him. She loves Telemachus, his son. And she goes to his uh, 
household because what we've learned is Odysseus can't get home. He was Mm -hmm. fighting in the wars and he's having a heck of a time and it's been years. And when she goes to visit the home, she discovers that um, what most of us know so well already that Penelope, the widow or the presumed widow is trying Mm -hmm. to hold it together, keep the family estate going. And she's being besieged by all these really awful suitors who are just really like, Uh, I'll take her and all her land. And Telemachus, it'll be fine. And Telemachus has now grown into a young man, but he doesn't have any real guidance in how to be Mm -hmm. a man. Yeah, And he misses his father and he needs help. So he goes and gets advice, some of which comes from um, Athena, who says, Uh, get a ship. I've got the best guys recruited, the best young men. mm -hmm. Go look for your dad. Yeah. So we're seeing the interactions of all these people. So he does it and he goes and visits two different kings, I guess. And they say, Your dad was here. He, as far as we know, he's alive. Here's what happened. Yep. And here's what mm-hmm. happened. So we're starting to get all these nested stories. Yeah. And as I was listening to this, I thought, This is just brilliant because every time you're telling the story the different aspect of the story and you're working deeper and deeper and deeper i could just see an audience if you don't really remember it you're like oh yeah now's coming this part and at the same time you're carefully showing everybody what they need to know in order to understand odysseus when finally is it chapter Seven or it's eight chapter or something. Five, yeah, the first oh, five. Four, okay, right? yeah. I'm sorry. It You're just good. seemed like yeah. forever. Uh-huh. It was. Yeah. So yeah. you don't meet him till chapter five, and finally, and he's stuck. So we're in present day. <laughs> yeah. And he is got to escape from where he is. So he's getting help from the gods, but he's having to work the heck out of it himself too. He's a mighty righteous man. So he is finally escaped he's at Elcinus's palace and the big hosting is happening and then he's like he's not telling who he is this is the part i love and they're going has everybody heard of odysseus the bard will sing a song and he's like <laughs> sitting there crying they're like wow yeah. he really loves this song right <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of humor and because the yeah. audience knows stuff the readers know things that the people in the story don't know. So they're really working every angle. And then he's like, no, it's me. I'm Odysseus. <laughs> dun, dun. Let me tell yeah. you my terrible, sad story. <laughs> and so we have another layer. Yeah. Full of things where you're like, oh, no, you were almost home. You could see it. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then those guys opened up the bags of wind. Uh-huh. Yeah, you it don't open very, up the bags of wind, guys. Well, you know, don't think you're the only one who can do everything, maybe, and <laughs> go to go nine days without sleeping, pal. <laughs> I feel like that could be a lesson here. It could be. You bet. Anyway, so <laughs> that is a rambling uh, summary of where we are yeah, so far, I guess. For but, sure, for um, sure. So, yeah, so Odysseus, you know, his he's trying to go home from the wars, you know, from yeah. Troy to Ithaca. Ithaca is where he's from. And uh, that's really what the Odyssey is about. And Trying um, to get home. Yep, trying to get home. And it's not even that far away, but he has Mm-mm. troubles. <laughs> he is Things a man like, of constant yeah. sorrow, as one of the translations, I think, says. So, again, yeah. we're oh, there my early. Gosh. We yeah, oh, brother, soul. we're out there, is what popped yeah. in my head. And I know that that was loosely based on the Odyssey. Right. <laughs> right. right. 
Yeah, when that guy got home, he mm-hmm. did not find Penelope being as good as this Penelope. No, no, he didn't. So, yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so we read the first yeah. half uh, through book 10 for this uh, half of the, the discussion. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he's not home yet. He's still trying. Oh, no, he's early in his journey mm-hmm. to go home. Yeah, yeah. But we did have, like you said, you know, when, when Odysseus started to tell his story, you know, then we went, you know, it's all flashback and mm-hmm. we got lotus eat- eaters and cyclops and all this other stuff. Yeah, and I think Alcinus, the bard that's at that celebration, is the one that he's talking to, right? So that yeah. would have been the first intermission uh-huh. The first day. Right, right. And what a place to leave it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've heard about the guy. You've seen all the problems because he's not there. You don't know why he couldn't get home except Poseidon has something to do with it, which we discovered in the chapters we went ahead and read, which I'm so glad we did. And um, so you're left on this tale of suspense and it's like, up oh, cliffhanger. <laughs> You'll get yeah. some more tomorrow. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So if, if I just go back to the beginning, you know, now the summary's there and, yeah. uh, you know, we're not concerned about spoilers cause this was written in <laughs> 800 BC. So if you haven't picked it up yet. <laughs> and plus the, I think the thing that another thing I love uh-huh. is it is still in a great sort of a way of an oral tradition in our culture and not all of it. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of anybody of a certain age or older, and I'm talking pretty young, who doesn't know about the Cyclops story. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. in cartoons. So it is still it's still part of the the culture. Yeah. yeah. Told as you know, simple children's tales. When you're telling about Odysseus, here's something you always tell. Another one of the things that you tell a lot. I mean, the things you know about maybe after that. We mm-hmm. haven't gotten to the sirens, but the lotus eaters, yeah, yeah. the men getting turned into pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why when you're reading the book, I would say there's a great deal of surprise in how much suspense is built up from the beginning. I did not remember that, you know, it starts off with the gods having their little consultation about what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's a lot more complicated of a story than just the things that might flash to mind. So, right, right. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Just no, to for throw sure. That in there. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, one of the first things that that I highlighted was very quick in there. Um, so, I just wanted to see what you think about this. But here's Zeus. Uh, you know, they're, they're having their conversation, and then Zeus says, "Oh, how shameless! The way these mortals blame the gods. From us alone, they say, come all their miseries. Yes, but they themselves, with their own reckless ways." compound their pains beyond their proper share, (laughs) which is, you know, kind of how we view things, right? Um, Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, God is there, and a lot of people blame God for everything. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we've got a Mm -hmm. lot to do with that, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, um, but in here, I mean, very shortly after, um, Athena is like, hey, why Zeus? Why are you so dead set against Odysseus? You know, in other words... You know, you you are affecting Odysseus's life. You know, why are you against him? So, it almost contradicts itself pretty quickly. And then Zeus, of course, says, uh, "Hey, my my child, Zeus, who marshals the thunderheads, replied, <laughs> "What nonsense you let slip through your teeth! Now, how on earth could I forget Odysseus? 
great Odysseus who excels all men in wisdom, excels in offerings too. He gives the immortal gods who rule the vaulting skies. And then he says, no, it's the earth shaker, Poseidon, unappeased, forever fuming against him for the Cyclops, whose giant eye he blinded, godlike Polyphemus, towering over all the Cyclops clans in power. Oh, I forgot there was that bit yeah. of for, uh, so you know, like a spoiler. Yeah, so it's right there, right so there in the front. Know. So he's, mm-hmm. But he's basically saying, yeah, Poseidon's the one who's keeping him uh, trapped. You know. He's saying that, but then later when Odysseus starts telling his story, I think it's him when he's telling it goes, and then Zeus did this, so I couldn't get home. Or maybe the story, the yeah, bard does. Right. And so... But but I guess, you, you know, as I, as I think about it too, uh, you know, he's saying themselves with their own reckless ways compound their pains beyond their proper share. Yeah. He did offend Poseidon. Right, yes, Odysseus. But I can't wait yeah. to talk about the Cyclops. <laughs> right, right. Because I feel like uh, he is a big. It, yeah, it offended Poseidon. But when you look at the Cyclops and how he's living and who he is compared to the Greek culture, no Greek would have blamed him for doing what he did. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, um, I do want to say, I want to give full credit here. Um, I listened to up through chapter 10 discussion of, there's a podcast called Close Reads. Uh-huh. And they're um, interesting because they're largely from, they're from Circe Institute, which, ha <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, which is perfect, yes. And I've, I've been listening on and off for a while. They'll talk about books I don't care to read, and so I just skip it. But they've talked about things like True Grit Ooh, and uh, one of the Peter Whimsy Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And yeah, one yeah, well, the True Grit we should read. But anyway, so stuff like that. And so I'll, I'll listen in. And they had a really interesting conversation about the Odyssey that I was listening to since I didn't, you had a class that you'd listened to. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the uh, teaching company, teaching company courses. Yeah. All right. And so uh, this in a sense was just listening to them have their conversation. It made a big impression on me for some of the ways to kind of view this as someone who is so far away in time and we're all still humans but it's kind of like when we read Genesis, where what's the context the Greeks would have had? Yeah, right. You know, and the Greeks are further away than the old Hebrew Bible, even though it's older, because we're still following a lot of the morality and revelation that followed from that early book of Genesis. This, we don't have that direct link to the way they thought about all these things. Right. So um, yeah, in, in the lecture that I listened to, um, the um, the lecturer and I don't recall her name, um, but she put a lot of emphasis on the relationship between Odysseus and the the people he was visiting, um, mm-hmm. and and how in that culture, you know, if you if you are a person and you show up somewhere where there's not going to be a hotel, right? So mm-hmm. you would go to somewhere that matches your class, right? So if you're if you're a poor person, you would find a hut or something oh. and you would go there and they would be expected to put you up. You'd say, "Here I am," you know? Mm-hmm. And they would be expected to take you in and and that relationship between um she called it Zinnia, I think. 
um, the relationship between uh, the the people that are taking you in and yourself is this word that doesn't quite have the a definition in English. You know, so so here he is, Odysseus. You know, uh, going to kings and things because he's. Odysseus, right? <laughs> Which also Telemachus does first, because right. that's yep. the likely place mm-hmm. that he would have gone, and these guys fought with him in the war, right. or their sons yeah. did, or yeah. whoever. So these are we're seeing they're from the ruling classes, um, and you're but so you're right. So there's this interesting contrast in a couple of ways. One is um, with hospitality, and who's to blame? Mm-hmm. Zeus is yeah. telling his story, mm-hmm. his way of telling it. Later, we're going to hear from Odysseus, who's shading what differently? How do we pick who's telling the right version of the story? Yeah. Because the way the Greek gods are, they're not like we look at God, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. They can lie. Mm-hmm. They can shade it so they look better. Yeah. Or this is just yeah. their point of view, and it's very different from the other person's point of view, you know. They have yeah. a broader scope. Right. Are so they, that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. It is um, very interesting, you know. Are they? Well, well, I guess we're, we're jumping around a little bit, but like, I'm sorry. no, 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 no. You're, Back to your no, point. No, no, all is well. But if you the uh, you know you're talking about Odysseus weeping when he hears the bard tell his story. Mm-hmm. Is he weeping? Why is he weeping? Right? Mm-hmm. Is he weeping because? He's realizing, uh, my gosh, I'm a I'm a tricky guy, <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm hurting people. You know what I mean? Or, no, or what is he? What is he weeping about? It's so sad. It's so sad, he's right? So you know, much but he's he singing about he's singing about um, the you know Troy, right? Um, oh yeah. Br- uh, but the, the, a lot of people died who he loved there. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, well, is it through yeah. his actions that this happened, or or what? You know what I'm saying. He was a mighty leader of men. He was. He was. Couldn't worry about that. <laughs> um, well, I will say I have mm. never seen so many men crying, except ah. maybe outside of an Indian movie. So, um, <laughs> I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but Very again, nice. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. They feel deeply, and they're not ashamed to cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all need to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Lots well, of emotions, for sure. Yeah, so, but you're right. So, the there is the human element of um, you're not doing what you're supposed to do all the time. Yes, right. But there's also the human element of I'm fighting against odds that seem unbeatable. Mm-hmm. I'm going and going and going and trying and trying and trying. And um, then, like, you know, we we mentioned he's... He's he's been given a ship. This is toward the end of it. He's been mm-hmm. of what we read. He's been given a ship. He's so close. He can see the land, and he finally. I've been doing this for nine days because I wanted to get there faster. I uh-huh. couldn't trust the crew for that. Yeah. And he finally sleeps, and the crew goes, "Hey, what's all that treasure that he got given? All the gifts? Let's open it up." Well, it's the winds, and they blow them away from land back to where they started and they're like no we don't have another ship sorry we gave you what we had hey have you got another bag of that wind yeah Uh, that's that's yeah that's something so he's an interesting combination of those things and for sure he's still held up as the hero yeah yeah you know so the question starts to become for us what makes a hero Mm-hmm. And what makes a hero? What what did they think makes a hero? Yes, because mm-hmm. for me, for a long time, I'd look at this and go, Odysseus is a trickster. 
Mm-hmm. He he's not a very good guest from the way he treats the Cyclops until I kind of had a different point of view put forth in that one podcast I was mentioning. Um, and what makes a hero for us? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you've got the John Wayne type. And uh, this was one of the main takeaways from that Close Reads podcast where they're like, I see him like James Bond. James Bond. Like, mm. The Greeks would have seen him mm-hmm. like James Bond says one of the people on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And he says, because you don't always care how James Bond gets it done. There's collateral damage along the way. And James Bond can't stop and cry over the collateral damage. Mm. He's got a job to do. And if he doesn't, Smirsh is winning. He's got to be who he is in order to effectively accomplish his task. And we love that about him. Very true. Yeah. And it made me think in that way, the Odyssey suddenly made me think of, and I'm sorry I'm going to be so referential, everybody, but it made me think of Skyfall. And so what you think yeah, is maybe I'm not being referential. That's what popped in my head. Echoes. Yeah, that's what popped in my head when you, when you said that, because yeah. that's kind of where he reckoned with everything. Right. And there's the collateral damage. But what are, what are we told in the beginning of the book? We're shown everything is falling apart. And he's trying so hard to get back. So he's got his wife to save. He's got his son mm-hmm. to save and the future. And he's got his land, Ithaca. Because these suitors are eating everybody out of house and home. It's not just the royal family. Who's going to take care of the people? Yeah, yeah. So, Because there's no one who cares about them. They only care about themselves. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you look at James Bond and in Skyfall, he's taking care of M mm. and he's taking care of his country, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, you start to kind of, it's not a real equivalent thing, but you start to get this idea of how somebody who does stuff that maybe we don't like even now, even though we're looking at it through a different lens, can be a hero who we can look up to. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll think some more about that, <clears throat> you know, and I'll look yeah. at this and more in that light too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, anyway. yeah, it, it's like, you know, Odysseus is, um, yeah, he does, he does things. Yeah. This is a fascinating way to look at that. Yeah. What if you James know? Bond was trying to get home and take care of his family? Right. And in right. that sense, M is his family. Yeah. As we're shown. Mm-hmm. And he'll blow his house up. He doesn't care about that. <laughs> right, right. He's got his faithful retainer. Yeah, and I'm thinking of Mission Impossible too. Yeah. Um, you know, like when they left him out there and he was trying to get back, or he was mm-hmm. he was operating without the organization to try to. Um, but he still had all his all the all the purposes that he had were were good, but his methods, you know, left damage. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. because the overall goal is so big. And and I think for the Greeks, they weren't used to, like us, looking at every individual person. That's Christian. Mm-hmm. Each person matters. Every life matters. The Greeks didn't have that same idea, I don't think. Yeah. You know, they, the people mattered. But, you know, we don't hear about the sailors. We don't get to learn to love Homer's sailor, I mean, Odysseus's sailors. Mm-hmm. Those or, poor you know, sailors. <laughs> it's tough duty when you're with him, man. Yeah. But 
and he cares about him. Uh-huh. He doesn't want them killed, mm-hmm. but he's got to use what he's got to accomplish his goals. Right. And he makes errors too, right? Right. If he hadn't told that Cyclops what his name was after he got away, if he hadn't had that hubris. Well, um, and is it hubris to the Greeks? Or yeah, is it, it like yeah, what, Beowulf? What is it? Who's saying, I am Beowulf, I did this, and uh-huh. it's his resume. Uh-huh. And it's honorable because now you know who it is, and this family line um, is superior. See, you led me into this. Uh-huh. Thank you for Beowulf. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah. it made me think when he's standing there doing that, and I suddenly went, well, this is like Beowulf, going, I am Beowulf. Wow. I've done this <laughs> and beat all these things. And I thought, you know, you read that as an American now, and you're like, what a braggart. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, it was, it was taunting. You know, right. so uh, so I guess yeah, if, if that would be a Greek way of ownership or whatever, right? I am a righteous then it would be, man. Would it have been dishonorable to get away without telling him what his name was? I that and we would we do we want to talk about Cyclops now or later? Sure, we certainly, um, certainly can. Yeah. So and this again mm-hmm. was a kind of this was an insight from the close reads. I swear everything is not from close reads, but the, <laughs> there were some big things for me that kind of changed how I thought about it. Cause I thought about it the same way and his men are going, shh, mm. don't tell, you know, yeah. but you, if you're a man, you claim all your actions and you say who you are. And in that sense, it's almost like us, right? We, we go to confession. It's different. Mm-hmm. We're not shouting it, but we claim all our actions. We know yeah. it's that hu- true humility is, Right, you know what's good about yourself, and you know that's a gift of God that you've worked to use properly. Mm-hmm. And you know what's bad about yourself, and you know you're trying to help working with God to kind of correct that. And yeah. in each sense, God's at the top. Well, if you know what's good about yourself, for somebody to compliment me on something, my cooking or something, and me to go, oh, shucks. <laughs> well, that's false humility. Yeah, It might be the best ch- chocolate cake I also ever tasted. You have those moments <laughs> when you reach the mountaintop, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, so, and so you can go, I'm Julie. I made this chocolate cake. So in that sense, we have to know what is it with the Cyclops. One thing they were saying is, according, we've been shown all the different ways a proper host acts and a proper guest acts. Right. And a guest is not thought worse of because he accepts the gifts that he's given. Mm-hmm. And a host gives the best gifts he can possibly give. This brings glory to himself and to the person he's giving them to. You give your very best and you honor the person by doing it. And if it makes you look great, well, okay, you're supposed to do that. So then look at the Cyclops, you know, so if what the Greeks value is family, because Telemachus and Penelope, community, because we've seen Ithaca is important, mm-hmm. um, and uh, hospitality, Cyclops were told up front, they live by themselves, they make their own rules for their own family, so they're the opposite of community. They um, don't farm. They don't, you know, and at one point, uh, uh, I keep wanting to call him Homer. Odysseus says, you know what we could have done if we'd have had this? Ithaca's a piece of crap land. This, this all this flat land, we could have really made it thrive. 
It says they don't build any boats so they can do what you should do, which is go back and forth and visit and take each other gifts again mm-hmm. with the gifts and the wine. Yeah. Um, so when, when uh, Odysseus is saying we shouldn't take things and run away like thieves, we should wait like proper guests and see what gifts we'll get. Uh-huh. Well, it sounds to to me, I'm like, oh, you greedy thing. <laughs> but back then, that's what you were supposed to do if that you were a proper guest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're giving honor to the host. Yeah. So the Cyclops shows up and he's the opposite of everything you should expect, right down to eating his guests. <laughs> so yeah. what you have is not even somebody who's really human, literally, but he doesn't even know how to act like a human. Mm-hmm. So when Odysseus is tricking him to save his men, of course, we all go, oh, yeah, you got to get out of there and everything. But later, um, when Odysseus is taking credit, it's like I showed what being a true Greek human is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that really holds together unless you think about it more. Yeah, yeah. But you know. it's at least a different way to look at it and go, here's how the Greeks could have said this is the best thing ever. And these days we go, oh, poor Cyclops, he can't even see. <laughs> well, he was, he did start off by eating them. Yeah, yeah. And he, you, you know, know. He, he, they were going to die, right? You know, so, right. I mean, they, they had no way out. This was a really nice solution to his puzzle with problem, right? Mm-hmm. So he gets out, and then um, you know he escapes, and they get on the boat, and then he yells back, you know, I'm Odysseus, by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, then the Cyclops says, Poseidon, Odysseus just you know uh, blinded me. Take some revenge, would you please? You know, and uh, the people that paid for that was his men, right? Right, at least immediately, because the, the right. his suffering throughout the whole thing was. Uh, um, you know, and, and, and what suffering it is, his suffering is I can't get home, but he's spending seven years on an Island with Calypso, <laughs> you it's know, tough duty, right. It's someone's tough, tough do duty. It. And he goes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so, uh, but yeah, you know, so it's like, I can't get home. He really wants to get home. Mm-hmm. And I don't recall that he ever actually says and I could be wrong in this, so correct me. But he, he mm-hmm. never says, I love Penelope so much, I can't wait to get home to her, Penelope. He doesn't what really was, say that. What was he thinking when he's looking out and crying every day? Again, I love love a strong man who's not afraid to cry. You just assume, I think, that if he's got all this stuff, I mean, Calypso is beautiful. It's everything he wants. And you're right. I think we're just told that he's looking off to sea during the day, sobbing and crying, and he's, you know, forced to go to bed with her at night. Right. At the very least, it would it would say something about the um, the Greek uh, emphasis on family, and you know, this it's his place. You know, being in Ithaca is where he belongs, and he's got duties there. Um, and there's no place like home. Right. I mean, <laughs> there's no place like home, and that's his family, right? Right. He's right. got he's got things. He's got a, a boy to raise, you know, Telemachus. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. I mean, there's all yeah. of, all of that and together it, is is what he's being kept from. Right. And we know that Penelope is very dedicated to him, and so because of the crying and sobbing, and he's doing it for seven years or however long. Yeah. We just assume he 
it's the whole package. Yeah. So a prison you know? is a prison, whether Calypso's yeah. there or not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, so um, he's there for seven years. That's when we first see him in the book. It's book six. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that's kind of interesting is all along the way, when we're hearing his story, even when um, part of it is told by Athena, Mm-hmm. It's always about how everybody's trying to get him to forget to go home. Yeah, yeah. Forget what home is. Mm-hmm. The lotus eaters. Yeah. The men turned into pigs, so they can't really think straight anymore. You know, Circe, aren't I good enough? You've got everything here. Forget about that. Yeah. And even when he gets to Alcinous's palace, they're like, I'd be happy to have you marry my daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you are, but you're clearly a great guy. <laughs> She's, you know, she's a little young, but it's all right. Mm-hmm. We do it like that here. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'd, I'd be into it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's got one temptation after another to forget about home, and he never does. And he never does, right. And that's clearly righteous. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, what, what place is it where he goes um, and he spends a year there? <laughs> Um, let's see, is it is it Nausicaa? Um, I mean, Nausicaa is the the, the person, but um, he Nausicaa's goes to, a regular yeah. human queen. So it's right? like uh, it's not with Cersei, is yeah. You know what? It is with Cersei, isn't it? I think it is with Cersei. She's the one. Wait, yeah, she's the one who turns the men into pigs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after she turns them back and everything, and says, you know, hey, you shouldn't, you shouldn't leave. He hangs out for a year. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hangs Temptation. up right here. And then he says, you know, I think that I'll go ahead and leave now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and for one thing, you don't know how time is being measured because this is a, you know, a big mythical story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the 40 days and 40 nights thing in the Bible where it's like, mm-hmm. so it's super long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's the thing of temptation, right? Mm-hmm. Just because you're being tempted and you finally overcome it doesn't mean you don't dwell on it sometimes and indulge. Mm. Yeah. For um, sure. For and sure. then sometimes he needs the help of the gods. Hermes has to come and tell Calypso to let him go. Right. The gods have decided. Zeus has said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and Athena is always there giving everybody these little nudges and taking different appearances. And so the gods are very busy in their lives, even though it's not in ways that Christians really relate to because it's a completely different morality, you know. Right, right. Yeah, and that, that was a really interesting aspect of it. I was highlighting things kind of all over the place where it was like mm-hmm. a god interacting with a person or something. You know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, so Athena, when she first appears to Telemachus, she appears as a man, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I've got to have this influence on him. So um, she shows up and says, hey, <laughs> you got to go find your dad. Um, you know, trying to move him off of of just being content with what's going on. Um you know, he's got all these suitors after his mom and they're destroying his house. They're destroying, they're eating everything. Um, so, I mean, his, the whole place is crumbling around him. And it's an interesting thing that he um, responds to Athena's prompting and then tells these suitors that they need to get out of here. And they they say no. 
I'm not. We're not leaving. I was shocked. Yeah, they were just like, no, I'm not leaving. Staying put. I and then he's like, those, well, I'm going to yeah. go get my dad. <laughs> well, and so it's here is the older man, or the experienced man, who's helping him see what you need to do. You need to not just complain about it. You need to take action. Right. I will help you take action because mm-hmm. you don't know what to do and you don't have resources anyway. Yeah, and it's because his dad's gone, right? Yeah. I mean, it, he doesn't. He hasn't been taught these right. things because his dad is missing. He was a boy, and there's no male influence who's mm-hmm. taken a direct um, hand in it. Yeah. Although there are friendly people because doesn't she get the ship from a well-meaning mm. uh, local important person sure sure and she's recruiting the yeah. best of the youth to go with him so these are people who aren't afraid to stand up to authority yeah or you know go do what they would see as the righteous thing but when the suitors did that i always thought of them as you know yeah they're taking full advantage and being pushy but you know odysseus has been gone a long time they're within um custom in terms of going well this land is being wasted yeah yeah. Nobody's doing anything, but they're but when they're actively hostile like that, and then later, when they're like, "Oh my gosh, I just heard Telemachus has a ship and he's off looking for his father. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get help." And they're like, "Oh well, this isn't happening. Yeah, come on, everybody, let's go kill him." I was shocked again. Yeah, I didn't expect active uh, pushback from these guys. I mean, they're evil. Yeah, not good. <laughs> In case I didn't get that before, That's I for really sure. got it. They really, yeah. they really want that estate. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I loved, um, I loved Athena's interactions, you know, with Telemachus and mm-hmm. Odysseus. Um, but early, so so Telemachus has has um, talked to the suitors. They've said no. So now he's like, okay, well, I'm going to get out of here. And Athena's telling him, well, you should go see this king. To find out where Odysseus is, because this king, I think it was Nestor, um, at, at Pylos, um, mm-hmm. he he's the one who saw Odysseus last, right? So go go to him. Yeah. And then Telemachus is like, you know, how the heck do I even talk to this guy? I, you know, do I just walk up to the king or what? And um, Athena, it says Telemachus, the bright-eyed goddess Athena, reassured him. Some of the words you'll find within yourself. The rest, some power will inspire you to say. Yeah. And I really like that line because, again, that's that's got shades of how we see things. Um, yeah. You know, a trusting in that voice inside. Well, and it's funny because it becomes a hard book to read as a Christian because a lot of what the gods do can loosely translate into how we understand our own personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. God will speak to us, you know, and I don't mean like Athena changing forms, but, you know, different people will say things that are inspirational. This could be the Holy Spirit speaking through this person or making us pay attention specifically Mm -hmm. to what somebody's saying or doing. So when they're like, like this. Did you pay attention? You know, yeah. and and you're not hearing a voice in your head to anybody who's not Christian, but it's that thing where you just suddenly focus in and go, "Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, I didn't get this before." So that aspect of of Athena, especially, yeah. Is uh, have you ever like had a guardian the, angel? Or yeah, have you, you ever know? had the experience where you seem to say something to someone else that you're like, "Well, I'm not really sure where that came from." Yes, and that's exactly what's what she's saying. She's saying. You need to go go forward with confidence to this king 
some of the stuff that you're going to say to him is coming from yourself, but the rest, just trust that it's going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I guess you've had those moments too. Oh, since absolutely, you it up. absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because it sounds sounds funny if you're if you haven't had that experience. Yeah. Well, in 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 RCIA especially, it's like you know you you pray that you know this person that comes to me, please let me be your instrument and can I at least show them what you want me to show them, you know? Right. And then you go in there and then RCAA is not very structured. It's least in the, especially in the uh, inquiry phase where someone's just coming and saying, what is this thing, this church, right? Mm -hmm. And you just need to be open and try to find, try to let them tell you what it is that they're looking for and what, you know, they've got their own questions and make sure you're, you're creating a space where they can do that. And then sometimes they'll ask something and then you'll answer and you're like, well, you know, I didn't know that I knew that, (laughs) you know, it's, you know, it's just like, you know, I hadn't really thought about that forever or something like that. And, and yet I, I could find the words that would keep them moving forward. You know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And it, and it's not necessarily stuff that you may not have heard before mm. or even kind of considered, but it's something you would never have put together in answering that question. If somebody asked you ahead of time, you would never have said that while you're just sitting there thinking about it. It just kind of pops out. And yeah. it's only from the person's reaction or sometimes later where occasionally you'll get this feedback of, yeah. You know, yeah, and right. I've had a couple moments like that, especially lately with my mother, mm. where um, I'm always trying to be, you know, careful not to be too Christian around her in terms of, you know, it's like Blaise Pascal said, you have to know things that are deeper and look look below the surface, but you still have to talk like an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. And so, like, uh, we won't talk about, like, if Rose and I have heard something on a podcast or read uh, something, we don't sit around and have these big discussions around her because that's just weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, she has needs the dignity of her own space too, but it doesn't mean things won't come up. Like when we were driving um, to the doctor and there was a U-turn under the highway. So there were some homeless people there and she was saying, look at their signs. They have God on it really big. They know what you want to see. And I said, yeah, and it, they may be using it. It may be genuine. And I said, it's a funny thing about that. And so we were talking about homeless people and how do you respond. And it was my opportunity to bring up St. John Vianney, who mm. I've mentioned before, on at least on my blog, of his, his whole take is it's their responsibility what they do with what you give them. You've been given a moment of grace in order to be charitable. It's yeah. your responsibility for what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And which is very freeing. And I kind of said that to her and she goes, wow, yeah, what a sensible and practical way to look at it. You can't control anything but yourself. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's right. a little window she has into how do you live as a Christian and as a normal person. Yeah, very much. That's great. And um, those are the things where I wouldn't normally have been able to phrase to sum him up that quickly. And she, you know, responded in a way I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, that's great. You know, and yeah. then those are the like mm-hmm. those RCIA moments, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. just just you know, so there's a glimmer there of of how we mm-hmm. see how we see things. And then this ties right into that. This is again Athena a little bit later, and she tells Telemachus, um, but the great leveler death, 
Not even the gods can defend a man. <laughs> Not even one they love. That day when fate takes hold and lays him out at last. Yeah. Right? So in one way, you know, as a, as a modern person or as a Catholic, you know, you're like, okay, well, you never know the day or time when this is, you know, happening, you know, but we certainly do believe God could defend a man if, if mm-hmm. so, if needed, you know, or if willed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this idea of fate, um, when fate takes hold, I think that that's something that we don't subscribe to, um, where it's basically saying, hey, no matter what you do, uh, there's this thing called fate and, and your fate, you're kind of beholden to that. That it, yeah, you know, it, it controls um, the outcome of everything. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, yeah. and we, we don't even believe uh, as as Christians that you know God mm-hmm. is moving us all around like chess pieces. No. Yeah. So it, it's, and as it's Americans, kind of a, we certainly believe we can change things. So <laughs> <laughs> American Christians, to, yeah. we're all over it. Yes, right. absolutely. <laughs> so, it's absolutely. our job. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yeah. So these glimmers of uh, sort of how they're looking at their religion is is fascinating to mm-hmm. me. Um, but yeah, yeah. So she she gets uh, Telemachus to move, you know, and and he goes and and meets these people. They say this is the last time I saw him, and then uh, he actually doesn't run into Odysseus out there in the in the world. Mm-mm. But then we move to Odysseus in chapter five. And and after seven years of his island and Calypso, mm-hmm. well, so. and there and yeah, there you're seeing the gods step in when there's an immovable obstacle. Yeah, Circe, who is Cersei, the worst right? hostess. Also, I mean, she's giving all the wonderful things, but you yeah. can't leave. Right, you will be here, and I'm not going to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. not going to let you have your own free will. Right, and then everything changes when he drinks. And uh, doesn't turn into a pig or whatever she was trying to get him to turn into. And yeah. she's like, oh, so now suddenly she's treating him as an equal or somebody oh, that, somebody that yeah. she desires now, right? Yeah. Somebody's that's... Sorry, I got Cersei mixed up with Calypso. Oh, Not oh, the oh. seven years, oh. but one year. Yeah. And turning people into swine, very inhospitable. <laughs> very. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's you an know, interesting Cersei thing thought. too, you know, Cersei in the cup. You know, mm-hmm. that's, uh, uh, you know, the the Adam Eve story is older than that. Um, you know, I'm, yeah, it's interesting, you know, whenever you, you see these things that have these shades or or mm-hmm. images, you know, the, those, those to me are faith affirming, not uh, faith destructing. You know, that we've talked yeah. about that before, like Gilgamesh and things. Um, but when you see these things, it's like, wow, th- these stories are very deep within us. They're. They're in there, you know. Um. Well, yeah, it's that whole idea that Tolkien told to Lewis, C.S. Lewis, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that all these myths have splinters of the true light. Right, right. They are have the mm-hmm. the misunderstandings and the corruptions of the story are not because the real story isn't out there. And therefore, all the different myths and everything have these little glimmers that you really can connect with. And of course, that's what the missionaries would use. Mm-hmm. They go, yeah. Oh yeah, this is correct. Yeah. Here's the right way to look. Here's the orientation on it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yep. Very good. And so when we mm-hmm. see things like, you know, uh, it's wrong to not let somebody exercise their free will. 
that's what Cersei is doing. Yeah. And also Calypso. Right. Yeah. Um, it's wrong to um, not exercise proper hospitality. You know, you should treat this person as Jesus says, you know, mm-hmm. treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Right. All that hospitality we're seeing given out in the Greek culture, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and it absolutely. honors you mm-hmm. as a person when you treat somebody properly. It doesn't mean you need to stand around to be praised. It's nice to be appreciated sometimes. Yeah, yeah that's right. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but, yeah, and then you the, know, the if the you're doing it for the of, right reason. Right, oh, and, go the, ahead. and the corruption of that is the suitors and Penelope, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you have a responsibility as a guest as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Your responsibility as a guest is to you accept these things but you don't abuse it. Mm-hmm. You, you, they have their dignity too. Everyone's supposed to have their dignity. And what a good comment. What a good comparison. Well, yeah. The, because she's you know, putting up at home mm-hmm. with what he's encountering time after time out in the big world. Yeah. Yeah. And that has, you know, even bigger implications too. You know, you have so, but just in society, you know, the way that we operate in society, Mm-hmm. Um, there are services, there are things that have been created by people, right? Yeah. And um, a good guest would uh, take advantage of those services or whatever it might be without abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, just in society as a whole, this is how we operate as people <laughs> or should it, as, to be harmonious. Yeah. Right? You know, so we, we respect the institutions and we uh, partake or whatever. And we mm-hmm. appreciate, and then we move on. And we're grateful for it. Yeah. We give thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, I mean, think of the, you made me think of the small business loans they were handing out at the mm. beginning of the pandemic, and you heard about these huge companies just raking it in. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it doesn't mean they might not need help at some point, but they have the resources to get their own loans. Mm-hmm. These were yeah. for people who didn't have those resources. And so yeah. that's the abuse of is in essentially right. the it's, hospitality it's, you know, that's you run offered. into these things in society all the time where it's like okay well that wasn't against the law but that wasn't right <laughs> you it's know it's the intention it's the intention right and yeah. we come down again to in christianity mm. so much is about intention right you know i may have gotten mm. it wrong but i meant to treat you properly right right um very nice yeah very nice so Poseidon is another example of God's uh, affecting lives, right? And he's mm-hmm. angry, right? So he's you know it sure is <laughs> yeah. So he he makes the the ocean toss, you know. Whenever Odysseus you know dips a toe in there, there's a storm and waves and and all this stuff. Um, so at one point he he had a boat or the, and everything was destroyed. He's in the water. And then another goddess shows up and she gives him a scarf with the scarf of no drowning or whatever you might. <laughs> oh, that's, is that Nausicaa? She's actually yeah, that, a that human? Nausicaa is where he ends up. Nausicaa, isn't that the. Right. Yeah, Nausicaa is like a princess. Yes, you're right. Right. I, uh, so so he there's swims. There's a lot of beautiful ladies in this story <laughs> that I get confused. Yeah. So he, he swims um, for a long way. And gets to this island um, because he's got the scarf uh, to help him stay afloat. And then um, he washes up on this thing. And then uh, Athena intervenes again and tells Nausicaa, 
hey, you ought to go down to the beach. <laughs> and Nausicaa <laughs> does go down to the beach and, oh, there's Odysseus right there. So she yeah. brings him home, you know, and that's when, uh, that's when he gets to, you know, he, he gets the whole thing from the bard and then he gets to become the bard and tell his own story. Right. So, um, that, that was all good stuff. But again, those, those interactions there, these gods, you know, with, um, very human like, uh, emotions, very human like, um, motivation, Mm-hmm. interacting very specifically to try to make things happen. Right. And yeah. th- these are things that we, we don't believe as, as Christians, you know, right. um, but the, the, you know, the Poseidon, especially, you know, just being so angry and whenever he gets, whenever he gets a <laughs> chance, vengeful. yeah, whenever he gets a chance, he'll attack Odysseus. Well, it's a funny thing, too, you say that because, you know, I mentioned at the beginning how much Bollywood has taught me. Mm-hmm. And um, since we just talked about Ram Leela last time, which was the Romeo and Juliet take Indian style and think about, you know, this is this is the thing where, you know, they're not from a Greek culture, although mm-hmm. I think Alexander did make it that far. But um, they have a culture that is so different from ours in some ways because they're not Christian. And some of the things they really value are some of the same things we see here. So these common human things, it's that real emphasis on community, on family first, yeah, um, before yeah. your personal inclinations. And also vengeance mm. is fine. Yeah. Get it, you know, go in there and make sure everybody knows you uh, avenged someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Uh, that whole Poseidon thing. I just looked at that and went, oh my gosh. You know, you're like one of those gangster fathers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or the mother in Ramlila mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um, the He's definitely the, over the top. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But it's funny because they're so human in the way they're portrayed. Because there's that lack of, a Christian would say, there's that lack of revelation. Uh-huh. In, in what God really is and can be. Yeah. And um, so it's a, it's a elevation of humanity, but never, uh, an extremely imperfect elevation. Nice. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Cause he really is his, he is his nemesis the whole way through. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So when Odysseus washes up on the, on the beach, I highlighted this thing and I really like it. He, so the very last, um, let's see, I think this is uh, the end of Ch- uh, book five, the very last mm-hmm. paragraph. So he says, um, as a man will bury his glowing brand in black ashes, off on a lonely farmstead, no neighbors near to keep a spark alive, no need to kindle fire from somewhere else. And then it says, so great Odysseus buried himself in leaves. And Athena showered sleep upon his eyes, sleep in a swift wave, delivering him from all his pains and labors, blessed sleep that sealed his eyes at last. And, um, you know, what that reminds me of, you know, just being thankful, you know, when you, when you, when you get something, it's like, you know, in a, in a poem or something, we could say, you know, God showered sleep upon my eyes. Right. And mm-hmm. what, what you're really saying, you're not really saying, well, God actually 
came down and, and put me to sleep. <laughs> we're saying, you know, we're thankful for peace. You know, it's like God's peace mm -hmm. came upon me and I could relax and sleep, you know. Um, yeah. But we're not, yeah. So I, I read this the same way and I know that I'm bringing stuff to it. But, well, yeah, but I think that there's, I think it's beautiful, does. right? I think it's beautiful. You know, <clears throat> Athena yeah. slower, showered sleep upon his eyes, sleep in a swift wave, delivering him from all its pains and labors, blessed sleep that sealed his eyes at last. So to me, that's thankful. That's thankfulness. Well, yeah. And, Peace, right? you know, it's nice knowing someone's on your side. Yeah. Yeah. And the and, feeling uh, of alignment with God is a powerful feeling when yeah. you feel like, you know, when you get your, you know, through confession and through prayer and things, and you, you, f you feel like you're in tune and you're on the wavelength. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes in life I feel that way, sometimes I don't. <laughs> but when you do feel that way, it's very right. peaceful, right? Right. Yeah, because those are the moments when you're having that personal um, connection with God, because it's that back and forth, and in that sense. I guess these Greek gods are kind of right it, because God is a person. He's not a person like of the sort of person they are, but he is a person. And this is something that's hard to explain to uh, people who don't have that either, which is that there's a give and take. You can be so very surprised mm. by, and, and not, you know, sometimes, it, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just, God will make you just laugh. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, really? You didn't <laughs> think this? You know, and you're just like, oh my gosh, what an yeah. idiot I am. I'm just laughing over, you know, God's sense of humor or, and like you say, there's, there's always the moment, there's the moments of peace. There's the moments of when you suddenly go, oh my gosh, light bulb. Mm -hmm. I got it. Yeah. But those are, it's not like you thought it up yourself necessarily. It's that, it's like talking to another person. It's something that comes from outside of you. Like if you and I were talking, I went, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. That's great. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's more personal because God's touching your heart and your soul. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, very much. And in these mm -hmm. ways, when you know um, we're seeing the gods personified in the way these Greek gods are, that's a very, very slight way of looking at that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of gods. <laughs> Lots so many. of emotional gods. <laughs> I have to say, I never read. Uh, every time he showed up, it's like Hermes, the giant killer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I have not read that one, uh -huh. uh, that myth. Yeah. <laughs> I mm -hmm. thought he just had his winged helmet and took mm -hmm. um, messages and maybe sometimes flowers to people. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, FTD, <laughs> or whoever it was who did that. You bet. That's a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have that job. Yeah. Uh, sounds well, good. You also have to be a giant killer, evidently. Can you can you fill those shoes, Scott? Oh, for sure. Surely oh, I can. All right. Surely I, I like can. It. <laughs> then just you just have, have to, to cry ask Athena a lot. what to do. Yeah. Yep. Crying a lot. I can do that. No problem. Okay. All on right. it. On it. Okay. Uh, I all love right. it. <laughs> well, shoot. Yeah. So there's still so much more to say, but we're only halfway through this book and um, looking forward to our next discussion mm -hmm. so we'll continue to be continued we'll stop yes. here but we'll continue in our next episode and yes, uh, we'll finish bring it, it to the end yep yep all right so thank you everybody yes and we'll see you next time yeah talk to you in a couple weeks all right <laughs> bye 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 